When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast, Spring Football Preview Edition. I am Billy Embody. With me, Matthew Bruni and Shay Dixon. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We're going to kick it off with our latest Spring Football Preview. And we lead off with the running back room before jumping into offensive line and tight end. And we talked about the quarterbacks and wide receivers last week. Plenty of buzz around that. But this running back room is intriguing, guys. Uh, this is a group that returns you know, plenty of production. Josh Williams, John Emery, Noah Kane, Armani Goodwin. And then you yeah, factor in the two freshmen coming in, Caleb Jackson and Trey Holly. Um, let's take an early look at this. I mean, what's the pecking order for this room, at least heading into spring ball? Yeah, I mean, they return all their production. Literally, it's those four you named – uh, the season ended and Josh Williams was the starting back. He was the most reliable back. He ends with the most carries on ni- of 97 carries on the year for 532 yards. I mean, five and a half yards per carry is nothing, you know, to, to sniff at. I mean, it's a pretty good uh, number from him. After that, you know, you had like kind of a rotating wheel there with Armani Goodwin's injuries, John Emery's inconsistencies, um, and then Noah Kane kind of just being, Someone they were, I don't want to say reluctant to put in, but kind of a situational type player. So I think going in, someone's going to have to beat out Josh Williams for the starting job in my mind. And I think that that's a good thing to do. I mean, we know what Emory and Goodwin are capable of, so they very well could do it. But at this moment, I have Josh Williams as my uh, top top dog. I am um, <clears throat> – it's <clears> – <throat> excuse me, it's interesting to me. I think that – I look at this room as one of the deepest rooms. They got six guys, obviously, and you're bringing in two freshmen. And many times freshmen can play running back early on, especially if it's a a few carries a game or whatever it might be. I want to, like I did a year ago, just go straight to John Emery because I think he's the most talented one. Now, ultimately, John Emery, let's say, for instance, to Matty B's point about Josh Williams being the guy you presume to be the top guy, Williams and Emery played in the same number of games, 11. Josh Williams had 98 touches. Emery had 76. So right off the bat, he's getting out-touched a year ago. Then you look at yards per carry on those carries, 4.9 for Emery. Josh Williams well over five, almost at five and a half. They both had six touchdowns. But straight off in attempts per game, Williams was getting – if John Emery gets six, seven carries a game, Williams was getting 10. And where I feel very confident in saying is this, there's no T there's no like Ty Davis price. Not one of them isn't going to get 70% of the carries and the rest get 30, you know, and split up whatever's remaining. I think this will look a lot like it did a year ago. Um, And this is a running back segment, but the leading rusher on the team will be Jaden Daniels. So really you're picking your spots with 
Who's got hot hands? What does your rotation look like? And Armani Goodwin is one, guys, and I'll let you chime in, that just sits out there with me because maybe even more so than Chris Hilton, but they both like run into injuries their first two years, but when they're out there, they look good. Goodwin actually led the team in yards per, or I guess yards per attempt, almost at six. He had five touchdowns. He only played in seven games, maybe even less than that. Yeah, seven games before he got hurt. Uh, and those were kind of spaced out. I'm curious if he's sticking with the team and he's on the team in the fall, how does he cut himself into the John Emery, Josh Williams camp? Because I feel like I know what Noah Kane's role is. Yep. He's in the, when they get inside the red zone, they're giving him the ball more often than not. He racked up the touchdowns. What did he have? 10, 10 touchdowns. I mean, Jaden had 11. So I know what Noah Kane's role is. And I have no problem with that remaining the same. What I'm wondering is how can Goodwin break into the Emory Josh Williams group? And can it happen? Because based just purely off when he's healthy, he's had some really impressive runs and was actually, he was starting before both those guys last year and then he got hurt. So it's intriguing for me. I can't remember an offseason at running back where I really could pick three guys maybe that I could say, I bet they take the first snap. Yeah. I, I think when you look at Josh Williams for me, I mean, I just think he's been so steady and that's why I've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. And, and I've been quick to pick John Emery and, and say, you know, I think he's the most talented. He's got that five-star, but unfortunately he hasn't you know, been able to just put it together. And so for the first time in a couple of years, I'm not going to pick John Emery, but I'm going to roll with Josh Williams. I think he's just been so steady. Uh, but we do have a new addition to track in this running back room this spring before Caleb Jackson gets here in the summer. And that's Trey Holly too. And he's a guy that, you know, physically is, is ready to go. I mean, he's a big bowling ball, uh, although on the shorter side of things. And, you know, he's going to at least be able to now – factor in at least early and and try to give them something different um, in terms of what they can you know roll out there uh, because they're they're still trying to find that guy that can just be that explosive dude um, over the course of of the season and and consistency and you know the most consistent guy for me is Josh Williams so I'm just gonna lean on the form, former walk on at this point to stake his claim to it all yeah I mean Armani Goodwin just to touch back on that one more time um Going into last year, I did like a five like what ifs type story, and one of mine was what if Armani Goodwin like led the team in rushing? Like how surprised would you be at that point? And you know, I I think I still might have been surprised, but he like Shay said had the most yards per attempt. I mean, when he he's one, and I've said this before, and everyone was like, oh, John Emery ran ran, you know, they start throwing me his track times in high school, like he's the same player. He's not, but. Armani Goodwin, to me, has the most pop in the running back room and the ability to break the big play. So that's why you hope Armani Goodwin can, you know, hit his stride there. Uh, you bring up Trey Holly, and obviously it's like people look at his height, 5'7", and they look at him, he's not the fastest guy by any means as far as breakaway speed. They're like, how is he so such a productive back? And to me, I even can't even explain it, but if you watch his film, he just – man he just fights for yards he has really good vision i think he's just a natural runner 
uh, as far as the running back goes with the ball in his hands. And he might lack some of those physical, you know, traits that you want in a top end running back. But I mean, the man just racks up yards. He has the most yards in Louisiana history. Here's my thing on Trey Holly. I love him as a player. Um, I think he has an absolute role in LSU's offense. I think that them splitting touches among a number of guys is really good for him. And here's why. Yes, he set the state rushing record. He had almost 11,000 yards on the ground in high school, which is ridiculous. But he passed up guys like Kenny Hilliard. He passed up guys like Nick Brissett, uh, who's now on staff, who previously held those records. And when Nick Brissett came in, he did become a featured back. Joe Burrow's, what, first year on campus, 18, he was the guy. But it wasn't really until then that he was really carrying that workload. I guess what I'm saying, I'm a bit, I at least want to pay attention. Trey Holly's carried the ball more than 1,200 times in high school. And for some perspective, Nick Brissett in four years at U-High carried it 1,100. So almost like it's it's a sense where he's got the most kind of wear on his tires of any running back that LSU signed in a long time. And look, he may be fresh. This may be a way down the line talking point, but him staying healthy and not getting a heavy workload, I think is what's best for Trey Holly. And I'm interested to see if he can carve out some touches this spring. It is something uh, I will be watching of, of kind of how they use him because we know this about Frank Wilson. I've watched him coach Shear for a long time. He will play every running back if he thinks they're ready, they know their assignments, and they know what to do. So these guys are going to get a taste. I'm just glad and hoping that over these next few years, it's kind of a work management, load management thing with Trey Holly, um, so that he at least gets uh, the chance to get adjusted to college and not have to continue to carry some heavy workload. Yeah, I, I think that's that's something that that is worth mentioning when it comes to Trey Holly and and kind of trying to project his his career at LSU. He he almost needs a break, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He's he's toted the rock a lot throughout his high school career, and um, you know he does have talent in, in front of him. He does have guys who have done it, you know, at the college level. And then Caleb Jackson will come in, and and he's a pretty different back from Trey Holly in my mind. So as far as the spring though. What is the biggest question that you guys have out of this running back room that you would like to see answered? I'll go first. When I watch spring ball, sometimes you can't tell a whole lot. But when I think back at spring ball now and things that happen during the season, things that jump out are mistakes. Like I remember John Emery was fumbling the ball in spring practices. And you remember LSU had a video and Mike Denbrock was talking to him and said, hey, look, Got to hold on to it because we're going to keep going to you. You got to hold on to it. Well, during the season, John Emery's fumbling issues were a thing. Like that was a talking point. That was kind of what held him back and maybe didn't get him on the field in every situation. And it was much like Kyron Lacey. They would go through very simple ball drills of catching it while I'm hitting you with pads. And Kyron Lacey was the only one who would ever put the ball on the ground a couple of times. And you didn't think much of it. Well, then you get into big games. The only guy you're going to think back this year and be like, man, he dropped some balls was Kyron Lacey. So I want to see a clean spring from these running backs and specifically John Emery. I want to see him go through spring ball. Ball protection is at a, you know, a premium in terms of what he's focusing on. 
uh, and that these guys look comfortable in year two of an offense that now they're familiar with and they know what's coming. So I just want to see a clean spring from the running back group. And certainly if you're asking Frank Wilson, that's what he's going to want to see. I guarantee you ball security will be a daily thing that we watch when we're out there doing media stuff every spring practice. Do you have one, Billy? Because I was going to go, I was going to go, um, well, Caleb, Caleb, uh, Caleb Jackson is not on campus yet, and he's one I'm really excited to watch. So that, that doesn't count. So I'm, I'm still – let me think for a second. So you go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm ready to see Caleb Jackson too, so I wish he was enrolling early. <laughs> because but he... we've, talked about, we've talked about LSU needing a, you know, a high-end back, a back that can potentially, you know, be the lead dog here. I think Caleb Jackson, in theory – if everything clicks with him, I'm not saying as a freshman, but sophomore, junior type year, if everything goes right, he has the physical ability to do that. But he's not in the spring, so we'll leave him out. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, Shea mentioned, you know, having a clean spring. I want the guys to be healthy. You know, Armani Goodwood is coming off an injury. Uh, these guys were banged up a good bit just overall. I, I just want everyone to be healthy and set themselves up you know, to have the most success in the fall. And and it's not always easy as a running back in the SEC. You're going to get banged up. But this is a group that, you know, kind of across the board throughout their careers outside of Josh Williams, I think, maybe. Like, they've, they've really, you know, been bitten by the injury bug here and there that's held them back. So maybe now that they're in a second year under the strength staff and, and in the alignment, so to speak, I mean, maybe that that's what they need to – have their bodies right to, to be able to be productive. And, you know, I think when it comes to pass protection, I think that's something always that, that these guys can work on. And um, Matty B, I think you, you, you did a little bit of anal analysis on some of that here and there uh, throughout the season and, and mentioned that on previous pods. But um, I think pass pro is something that with this, with the tight end room being fairly thin and you have Mason Taylor out there by himself, you've got to have the running backs contribute at a high level in pass protection. And I think that's something they could work on, um, you know, a big way this spring. Y'all know this, I'm big into track and field. Um, so I'll just give you an example. I think you would, John Emery didn't, I don't believe he ran a lot of track in high school, but he did go test and he was running really fast 40 times. So, you know, he has burst. Armani Goodwin gets circled all the time as a guy that you're like, man, he, he can go. He gets to the second level in a hurry. His senior year, <clears throat> he ran a 68260. Uh, that was a PR for him. Caleb Jackson uh ran his PR. It just happened in 2023 indoor, 695. He also uh has multiple uh sub 11 100s, one ticks 1066, which is a PR. Those are really fast times. So like Caleb Jackson is just as fast, if not faster than Armani Goodwin. That puts him in contention for maybe being your fastest guy in the room. And he is a one cut back and goes. So I'm that, with y'all. I'm, I'm excited. He's coming off an injury, but he's running track right now. So he's not that injured. That Armani Goodwin 6A2 broke the Alabama 7A state 60 meter record as well. So, I mean, that just gives you a little bit more on just how fast that is. That's not just a number that's a record-breaking number from him yeah. in high school. I've always been eye on Armani Goodwin. I really hope he you know, finds his footing this year. I'll say um, it's interesting because you, I didn't realize how old this group was until I really thought about it. 
between John Emery, uh, Josh Williams, Noah Kane as your as three. I mean, that's three pretty old backs here. So you you know what you're getting from those three. Um, I will say the only thing I'll say for the spring, I think, uh, obviously besides pecking order, I think, um, them as receiving backs is going to be interesting because we saw Josh Williams, 21 receptions on the year, John Emery, 13 receptions on the year. And John Emery, uh, John Emery obviously had the two touchdowns that were memorable plays. Um, so yeah, we'll see if they use them as receivers, maybe more, uh, how the hands are looking of the front of Trey Holly and, Armani Goodwin, if they can be involved in that as well. Um, that's just something I'm, I'll be looking for. John Emery will route. Dial it up. Yes. Automatic. It, it works. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, if that's it on the running back room, we do move ahead to the guys blocking for him. The offensive line. This is a group that, look, we're still seeing them try to add another piece to the puzzle here. They offered Maryland transfer. Mason Lunsford, Shay and I talked about that on the recruiting pod a little bit, but they do return, you know, their starters. They return a strong group um, as far as a foundation to build off of. You have Will Campbell, you have Emory Jones, you have a lot of these guys who've played a lot of football. They need to find an answer at center. They might be moving guys around in fall camp a little bit with the arrival of as a Lance Hurd, for example. Uh, but this is a group that, you know, is is steady is trending probably up a little bit more than people give it credit for. But at the end of the day, they got to find their center. I mean, that that's the only question mark I, at this point. And I don't even know, like, again, I've, we've said it before, but if Charles Turner is the floor and I mean, assuming they can't find anybody else and assuming Marlon Martinez doesn't beat him out or whatever, they don't move Garrett Dellinger back to center. I, it's a pretty high floor. Now, will it – obviously, they're looking at centers for a reason. Like they, they understand that this team – and I've said it before – this team's standard now is to win a national championship. Is Charles Turner a national championship winning center? That feels like you're asking a lot of him. But he was really, really solid for them last year as far as um, the communications go, no bad snaps. Like He was very solid, and he was someone who people raved about as far as his knowledge goes. So – in year one of a new offense coordinator and a new coach, his knowledge and his ability to communicate that knowledge was pivotal, absolutely pivotal for this team. So um, I think, you know, he was voted as, you know, the most improved player. Um, just a lot of things for Charles Turner that I think he does right. It's just physically he's not that elite center that's going to help you. Um, that's really going to turn the tide um, for your offensive line. And that's what they're still looking for. I'm not completely out on Charles Turner at all because I think Charles Turner came here as a lighter guy out of IMG. But Billy, you remember <clears throat> you were out at some IMG games. He played every position for them and they were playing. You have to play good competition. They were touring around playing good teams. So he has versatility. They're in a better spot than they were a year ago. No doubt. Because remember what we talked about a year ago 
uh, on the pod. I guess, Billy, we weren't with you yet, but the whole uh, conversation was, oh, Brad Davis was about to teach guys to play center. They yeah. didn't have one. He was going to just test everybody out. And, Kimo Macnioli, all of them. Uh, it, well, and it became Garrett Dellinger. Yeah. And Dellinger starts, and there's bad snaps. There's maybe some miscommunication. And obviously he gets hurt at one point, but Charles Turner stepped in and never let go of the job. Now, as the season went on, Marlon Martinez got to get in and play some games. And then in the bowl game, he got a lot of run and he looked solid. It was Purdue, granted, but he's got as much experience as anyone on the raw. I mean, he's got more than 30 appearances. So Martinez and Turner are two valuable prospects who are putting their time into center and because of that, I feel better knowing, okay, Brad Davis can hone in on those guys. He's not teaching people to how to snap anymore. He's not wondering how to shuffle everyone around. You've got two guys that can play center. I'm almost just as curious what happens with the guard spots. And is it just as simple as saying, okay, well, we have two of them, Dellinger and Miles Frazier. Why don't y'all just go back to playing guard again? And, you know, why don't you slide over and replace Bradford and we'll be good to go. And then we've got two tackles. We've got Will Campbell and Emory Jones. We're good to go. I think that will be the answer for now and for spring. But when Zalon's heard a five-star shows up in the summer and gets with the fall camp and into the season, that's when I think we start to see them say, okay, could we move Emory inside? Could we put Zalon's heard at right tackle? Could we put Hurd on the inside somewhere? They've got options. I just don't know how many of those options we're going to learn answers to in spring ball because none of the high school kids are here. It yeah. is eight total scholarship offensive linemen, if all of them are healthy, which they never are. Um, that's not enough. So it's tough to even do much in spring ball with moving guys around beyond just, hey, everybody get in and get reps. Yeah, I mean, I, I – this is one of those positions that when you look at spring practice and you start talking about storylines and uh, well, how, how will it work out or what are the questions? Well, I think a lot of it's still to be determined because like you said, Shay, none of the high school guys are here. Um, Zalance Hurd comes in and, you know, a lot of the expectation is he's going to walk right in and, and probably be pushing to be the starting right tackle or backing up Emory Jones or does DJ Chester factor in? Um, to the interior rotation somehow. Those are a lot of the questions that we'll get to, obviously, as fall camp approaches. But that's where I feel like this is a room that will still be in flux a little bit, like you said. For me, I, I am not out on Charles Turner. I probably lean a little bit towards where Matty B stands, where is he uh, a guy like a Lloyd Cushenberry that you can really lean on and you know win a national championship with? I'm not so sure, but... you know. That's why you have another year of development growth um, from him. And he was always going to be one of those guys like Paul Mabenga, for example. Paul Mabenga comes in and is starting next year or even as, you know, his second year on campus. It's probably not a good thing, honestly, unless he somehow just, just took <laughs> just whatever. He, yeah. he just wow. locked in for a year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It, he's just been a steady progression of, of growth and, and, you know, getting his body to that level. And, you know, I think with the strength staff that Brian Kelly has in place, one of the things they're probably doing is trying to figure out, Hey, how do we get more mass on you? How do we get more strength? 
to be better at the point of attack because that's where, you know, he's, he struggled, but because he's quick on his feet at heart and, and, you know, with his athleticism, those are also the positives of him playing center. So, you know, I'm not out on him. I, I do want to see him just get stronger at the point of attack, which if he does that, he's going to have a very strong claim to hold on to that spot. Yeah. And, and he, this team can, you know, if everything, you know, if everything around him goes right, you know, they can win a national championship with Charles Turner. I'm not saying that it's impossible and that he is the singular reason why they won't win a national championship. So don't put that on him. Uh, he is very, <laughs> like I said, coming he, at you. Yeah, no, no, we don't need the Turners coming at me. Okay. I did not say that, but because he, he does have such a high floor because he is so crisp. Um, he's so smart, uh, which has been talked about a lot from players, from his teammates. Um, I think there's a lot of positives there. It just, it's obvious when, you know, there is, a, I mean, Marlon Martinez competition last year, they literally tried Garrett Dellinger for a, a game, a game that mattered, a Florida state game. They put him at center just to try it, to hope that it worked out. And then the transfer portal, we've seen what they've done. So that is obviously the biggest question right now is the center spot. Um, I think the two tackles, two freshman tackles, I mean, they're not freshmen anymore, sophomore tackles, Will Campbell and Emory Jones. Um, I don't have questions about them. You mentioned when Zalen Turn comes in, I think that's going to really be interesting because he's, he's amazing. Um, but yeah, Jones and Campbell, it's like how much better will they get from year one to year two? You know, that's always the big question is now, you know, teams – know what they are teams uh, will either rush them or know how to rush them moving forward. Emory Jones, does he slide into guard? I'm really high on DJ Chester. I mean, yeah, he was a monster. He was one of my, I think I don't know where I had him in my class rankings, but he was really high. So, you know, you don't get them during spring. It'll probably be the five that we've talked about as the starting five, but I'm uh, Emory Jones and Will Campbell. Like, do they take, that next step forward um, as physically goes, you know, uh, competitively. Uh, Brian Kelly talked time and time again about how much they um, took on as freshmen and how prepared they were every single day. Um, I mean, the spring, there's no reason to think that they won't be able to, to repeat that. Yeah. I think when you look at Will Campbell and, and his growth, I mean, he's somebody that still has his best ball in front of him as far as, you know, just on the field. But I think by the time he leaves LSU, he's going to be just a big human. I mean, I think last year he came into the program and, you know, ended up like out of necessity more so being that left tackle, being that guy to take over that position. And that's not a knock on Will because we all, at least on our end of things, know that he had a bright future coming at LSU if it all came together, which it did. But he is now in position to continue to add weight, continue to add strength to his game and be in a position to only get better. And I think with his size, if that continues to come when it comes to, you know, con continuing to get stronger in the weight room, add, add that size that he needs, that's the progression you want. And same goes for Emory Jones. But honestly, I was impressed with where Emory Jones was as a, as a true freshman physically, I mean, he really came in and locked in as far as putting it together um, in the weight room. So, but those guys, we know bright futures ahead and um, they're going to be the anchor for the next, you know, probably two years uh, in all likelihood for this LSU offensive line. This is, this is the position group with the least amount of questions going into the spring, right? Like by far. 
I think I don't even know who's second. Maybe quarterback. Maybe, Maybe. yeah, quarterback probably, I guess. But everybody cares about Nussbier, so. And that's the quarterback (laughs) position, so. Um, Yeah, so it's like, it feels like we, there's not a lot of, uh, bite. there's not a lot to bite off on this um, topic because the freshmen aren't here. If the freshmen were here, I would spend 10 minutes ranting about how excited I am to see Zalen Turd and DJ Chester, but they, they are not. And Tyree Adams and Palma Banger are going to be solid players as well. But like those two are, I, I love them. Just, just love them. Wow. All right. Get the Valentine's day card. For it's, next year ready. it's one without a lot of, it's one that has questions, but the debate is all good answers, like good results. Yeah. Yeah. And just like quarterback, it's like, either, yeah, you can debate it, but, both of them are good scenarios. Yeah, and that's not to mention – well, we did mention it, but uh, all the high school guys coming in this summer and then maybe they add a transfer and then you're sitting even in a better spot. I mean, so Lance Hurd could come in and play for the five positions. I mean, realistically, DJ Chester could play the three in the middle. I mean, Tyree Adams maybe. Paul Mbenga probably not. And then if they add a transfer, I mean, they're just – they're sitting in a better position in turn like – the room is starting to roll over a little bit, you know, because Brad Davis has done a good job stockpiling talent. Yeah. And that's important. And, and we're seeing the fruits of that and we'll continue to see that as the summer moves into the fall too. So it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with Victoria cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land. You know what they say? Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Um, one room that is going to have an influx of talent coming in, certainly, um, is the tight end room. This is a room now that I think there's a, a little bit of buzz around. And you look down on our rundown, and what did Shay Dixon put as the first question for this position group, the tight ends? Is Mason Taylor the next Brock Bowers? So that's, who wants that's to- Brian Kelly's words, not mine. Okay, all right, there it is. Don't, don't it deflect. Is. So yeah, good deflection. Uh, that is also true, though. So, if that's the case, Shay, you want to take it first and say no, he's not Brock Bowers. No. <laughs> Poor they, Mason Taylor. But but Brock Bowers. Well, Brock Bowers is two years older and he's super elite. He's a monster. He's a monster. It's a. I mean, for context purposes, I mean, Brock Bowers ended last last year with sixty three catches for nine hundred fifty yards, basically. Um. But it was that's what caught us so off guard last year was Brock Bauer or was the Brock Bowers comparison. And then before the season, Brian Kelly says Mason Taylor's the best tight end prospect he's ever had. Like those types of um accolades, like just throwing around, throwing at Mason Taylor. Obviously, he proved to be correct, I think. I mean, Mason Taylor ends up with 38 catches for 414 yards, you know. Uh, three touchdowns, include, and then the two-point conversion to beat Alabama. So you couldn't have asked for a better freshman season. The I don't want to call it a problem, but the interesting part of this is that Brian Kelly has already set his standards so high. If Mason Taylor does not take a step forward, 
I think we will view this like if he puts up the same numbers, forty catches for five hundred yards. I I just worry that we might look at him and be like, okay, well, so he's not Brock Bauer, so he's not going to be uh, a second round tight end taken. Like maybe that it's not what happens, but still, what he is and what Mason Taylor does did for this team last year was incredible. So I have nothing but positive things to say about Mason Taylor. It's just an interesting position to be in going into year two. Everyone's going to expect him to be. Um, you know, an borderline all SEC caliber tight end. Well, and one of the things too with this offense, at least from my perspective, is is they just, you know, like Georgia with their tight end room that they have and had, they've been able to do some crazy things schematically with that group, which LSU last year wasn't able to do with Mason Taylor. Um, they got him opportunities and he made the most of them, and we all know that. But I mean, when you're when you're operating with the group that Georgia's had out there and some of those position players, um, they were just able to get him, and especially Brock Bowers being as explosive as he is, just into some better matchups. But this is where we can bring in the freshman here into this discussion. Kamorian Pimpton, top 100 prospect who will be on campus this summer, won't be here. But Mac Markaway, a big physical tight end, um, comes in and then. Um, uh, you also have Jackson McGohan, who they flipped from Cincinnati, a guy who was very productive in, in his senior season. Now you have a room that has a little bit of young talent injected into it. You know, I think Jackson McGohan is somebody that's probably a little overlooked in a way. Um, this is a room now that has some competition and has some guys who, you know, especially between Mason Taylor and Jackson McGohan can really catch the football. And then Mac Markaway is, you know, big, big body um, who, if he's healthy, um, should be you know, somebody that can factor in early. Well, let's just go back here real quick because I'm going to be the one who steps in and lays the smack down on this revisionist history always. Um, maybe I'm not blaming y'all. Matty B, maybe, uh, but it was more just in a scheme-related way. But LSU fans, do not pretend like last year you were not screaming for them to stop throwing it to Mason Taylor. That was like <laughs> oh, yeah. the Jaden Daniels check down right. – and that, you know, and, and maybe that was Jaden's fault, not Mason's, but it was like, oh, quit doing oh. it, force the ball downfield. And then I think they went to Florida and like, that's when it got like to the peak of it. And he, I think he got like a target maybe in the game and yeah. they won and everyone was like, see what's happening now. Then he did what he did against Bama. And I think against Arkansas, he just didn't have a catch or they didn't even throw it to him all the game. And mm -hmm. everyone was freaking out of like, Where's Mason Taylor? He needs to be a major point of this offense. So funny how the whole season, even when he was playing and like contributing as a freshman, people were like, we need to stop using Mason Taylor, which yeah. I disagree with. Yeah, it was the point. I don't even remember exactly the point, but yeah, it was Mason Taylor's usage. It's because he was like in some of these games, he was averaging like four yards of reception. It was like Jaden was kind of just like instinctively throwing at him. And so then it was like, all right, we, we also have Malik Neighbors on the field and Kayshawn, but um that that is that is a whole progression of the offense. And I think Mason Taylor, he he can be used in more ways than what he was used for last year. I think that's a big thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is that he doesn't have to be kind of this um four yards and you know, a hitch route or an out route type guy. I think he can be a a very versatile type of a piece for them moving forward. And that's what I'm interested to see how his like yards per reception numbers go up. Well, and you look at Bama or Ole Miss last year, 
14 yards a catch. Bama, 12 yards a catch, game winner. Yeah. Um, and he had a touchdown. Yeah. UAB, 13 yards a catch. Georgia, 11 yards a catch. And he had six for 63 that game. Uh, Purdue, 18 yards a catch. He obviously had a huge one, but he also did catch five, yeah. five balls that game. So his it feels like, as expected, he got better as the year went on. Now you're expecting him to make a year two jump where he's the clear cut guy. Now you need these young bucks to step in and do something. Yeah. I mean, out of the two that they bring in this spring, I mean, I guess, which one do you expect the most out of early on? The two in this, the two in during the spring are McGohan and uh, Pimpton. Mark way. Mark way. Instead of Pimpton. Pimpton. Thank you. Um, I'm a big Jackson Bagoyan fan. I, I think I've made this clear uh, for anyone. I don't know who's watched which episodes it is, but I'm a big Jackson Bagoyan guy. Like I have him over Camorian Pimpton to me in my, in my rankings. That's how high I am. Uh, he's faster than Mason Taylor. He's the fastest one on this, on, of this group. Uh, just pure speed goes. Uh, I think he's a, can be a very, very versatile receiver for this team. Uh, I think he can run a lot of different routes for this team. And, I'll have to, we'll have to see how physically ready he is. You know, I think from a blocking perspective, um, just from an overall physicality of, you know, going against safeties or linebackers at, at the SEC level, that there are question marks. But he is the fastest. I think he has very, very high upside. And I, I don't want them to use him how they're using Mason Taylor per se, because he's not as big. And Mason Taylor even took him a half a season to figure out how to block. Uh, and even then he was kind of hit or miss, but Jackson McGohan is a perhaps more dynamic receiver as far as potential goes than Mason Taylor. Um, and him and Kamori Pimpton are very, very different players <laughs> as far as like Kamori Pimpton, just his catch radius is off the charts. But McGohan for me is someone who I could see step, you know, potentially getting some, some burn early on. I think the answer lies in what they want that person to do, because if it's inline blocking, even though Mac Markway has not played football in a couple of seasons and he's had some injuries and that's worrisome, he's healthy right now. He's cleared. He's out there. He will be there for fall ball or spring ball. And physically he's the biggest guy of the group. So if he can be a guy who really helps him out as an inline blocker, like I could have sworn at the end of last year, I saw Doomerville wearing a tight ends Jersey so he could go in and help block. Like, Maybe it was special teams. I don't even know what it was, but they need someone who can inline block. Markway would be the best option for me right now. Yeah, I agree. It's and I would say physically he's most ready out out of you know the pair because he's just he spent the last like just been working out, bro. Just working out, bro. Just lifted, <laughs> um, getting in that room, uh, but you know. He's got to show it on the field now, too. And it's nice that, you know, he didn't push himself and got back, you know, for his senior year and, you know, maybe something happens and then he's, you know, out for the first year at LSU. You know, we've heard you've reported it, Shay, that he is healthy. He's ready to go. So if he is that way and he is, you know, fresh, uh, which he should be, you know, the, the positives for him are certainly there. But again, he's somebody that hasn't played in a game in a while. He's going to take an adjustment getting back on the field. I, I think that's that's probably one of the things he's got to uh, get with pretty quickly when when spring rolls around. And that's why it's good that he's here for spring and not showing up in the summer. Yeah, um, 
I, I mean, I'm excited to see both of them. The, obviously, I don't know how much we like will really, really learn about those two. However, it is nice that they don't have anybody besides Mason Taylor that's coming back. So, you know, if there is a second unit offense and they're just going to throw some some freshmen to the to the Sharks, I mean, we'll at least get to see them then. Well, and I will note, too, I saw um, Mason Taylor at a basketball game and he was in a sling. So I don't know if he had something like half the team has had something cleaned up after the season. Yeah. It was a long year where a lot of guys were carrying the majority of the snaps because they just didn't have that deep of a roster. So there will be plenty of guys in spring who like are taking it slowly or like miss some days or maybe just are like, hey, I'm out here and I'm working out, but I'm not trying to go contact right now. So these two freshmen could have even more responsibility, which would be good for them. That's they need it. Yeah, we need to we need to see Mac Markway's potential as a receiver. I don't even know if that's necessary uh, because if he can block, then he'll be on the field. Like that's setting a very high floor for him if he can block the way we think he can. But I want to see him if he can catch passes, if he can, you know, even if he can just be Cole Taylor out there, I think that'd be pretty damn good. Yeah. Well, and Billy, I know we're wrapping up here. This tight end was the final one here and we're talking spring, but we are all in agreement that the one guy who's not here this spring, Camorian Pimpton, who ended up being a top five tight end, they flipped from Vanderbilt, is the absolute real deal. Yeah, he is. He is the real deal. I, I love what he's got uh, coming for, for LSU this summer. I mean, saw him in person at high school and, um, you know, really, uh, you know, put on a show all week at the All-American Bowl. And I just, I think the world of him. I, I really he's like 6'6", so. 240. Yeah, he's he's just, I mean, he's going to be able to be split out. He's going to be on the end line once he adds a little bit more away. I mean, he's just, a, he's a matchup, you know, just awesome addition on that front for, for LSU. And um, I think a more athletic, um, who is uh, like Darnell Washington, like he's not as big and thick, but like he's got that big of a frame yeah. and wingspan and all those things. So. He's gonna be fun once once he's all filled out and everything. LSU second LSU second chance at Eric Gilbert, <laughs> or Jake Johnson, one of the yeah. two. I mean, you had two number one tight ends committed, and neither end up coming through for you. So, um, yeah, Pimpton, Darnell Washington save the day. Billy coming through with the Darnell Washington comp. There you go. There you have it. I mean, wait, he, he could be, but there's not many times in my life I've been blown away by an athlete than when I was on the field before the SEC championship game and I watched Darnell Washington go through warm-ups. That was one of the heralding moments of my life, just watching that dude. Oh, my gosh. He was, you know, crazy. Absolutely crazy. Absolute freak show. So was Corey um, so. Yeah, so was Corey Pimpton. Uh, I guess last thing uh, real quick. I don't know what, like, as a unit, since it's our last offensive pod, like, as a unit – I don't know if I expect to see anything new during the spring, like from, from like scrimmages or anything like that. Like I don't expect to see anything crazy because uh, I feel like people might be going into it saying like, oh, we need to see a change in the offense or see what Denbrock has. I don't know if we'll learn a lot um, in the spring. Now the spring game, I mean, as we saw last year, it was so watered down. It was so like kind of just fundamental. Um, even the spring game, I, I wonder how much more we'll learn uh, in that game so we'll see scrimmages we'll see all that stuff we'll see how 
um, you know, the, the offense as a unit looks, but I think for the spring, it's far more about individual progression, learning about any newcomers, which all the newcomers are freshmen besides Aaron Anderson. Um, I think that's going to be the focus um, going into spring. Yep. I, I, I agree. I don't think you're going to see anything different. I, I think it's, they've installed things they've been through the vanilla phase, but if anyone's going to, and look, I mean, spring ball with, you know, Joe Burrow going into 2019, nobody sat there and said, Oh my God, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. I mean, it was exciting. It was a change, but no one sat there and said, Oh, this is going to be what it ended up being, but yeah. Take it all with a grain of salt. And that's the goal here. You don't want turnover every year. You do not want to be installing new coordinators, philosophies, and playbooks every year. They've got continuity. Now it's about fine-tuning that, adding things here and there, putting guys in the right place. Remember a year ago, Kelly didn't even know these guys' names. He was like, I'm going to have to figure out who they even are. We're past that now. So I feel like they can at least settle into it. Last year just seemed like, we're trying to, we got 15 practices. We got to cram it all in. And what at one point he was like, we just stopped. And we're like, let's just focus back on like the 40% that we've done. Don't go anymore. Now I think you've got more of the playbook where you can get through a more regimented spring ball where you feel like you did a lot more than you did a year ago. Yeah. He's really good at, ha- at keeping a good pulse on what his team needs, especially in spring. And then you get into the season. Like he, I think, you know, one of the better coaches I've been around as far as knowing what buttons to press in their preparation. And I think that includes spring ball and, you know, it paid off, obviously, um, you know, with laying a good foundation last spring and it translated to, you know, uh, SEC West championship. So yeah. lots more to break down on the defensive side of the ball. We'll have that two more spring position preview podcasts to come before LSU gets back on the practice field. So we'll have those for you guys the next two weeks. Appreciate all you guys who have hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel. Keep subscribing to thebengaltiger.com. $30 until March or uh, until uh, September. Uh, yeah, I know. Just $30 for a couple of days. Uh, $30 until September gets you that and the hat. And look for a, a little special promo as well coming around spring ball. So, and if you want even more free swag, Matty B uh, is willing to give away all of his Spurs gear as they cruise to last place in the NBA. I will not. And hey, we're getting we're getting Victor. Okay, don't worry ten, about it. Ten toes down. All right, we're getting Victor. <laughs> all right. Well, hope everybody had a great week uh, recovering from Mardi Gras. We will catch you guys next week after the weekend. Plenty of action on LSU baseball, basketball to follow on thebengaltiger.com. So check us out. And again, hit that subscribe button to our YouTube page. For Matthew Bruni and Shay Dixon, I'm Billy Ambody. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks for listening. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.